The way we write, compile, and run software has continued to evolve since computer programming began. The cloud, serverless, no-code, and CI-CD are all contemporary ideas introduced to help software engineers spend more time on their application and less time on the chores of running it. Dark is a new way of building serverless backends. It's a cloud-native programming language with several novel features, including being not just serverless, but deployless as well. In this episode, I interview Paul Bigger, founder and CEO of Dark. Paul, welcome back to Software Engineering Daily. Uh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. So, Paul, I think most people might know you from your work at Circle CI, but I really wanted to come on and talk to you about Darklang today. Before we get right into it, can you give me a little sense of your background? What brought you to the place that you wanted to create this language? Yeah, so my background is, I suppose, reverse chronologically. I um, I, I made Circle CI. I was the first uh, CEO of Circle CI and co-founder, and uh, worked there for about four years, getting it to product market fit and millions of dollars in revenue. For that, I had a failed Y Combinator startup worked at Mozilla as a uh, compiler engineer on Firefox. I did a PhD in computer science in compilers and static analysis, working on uh, static analysis of PHP. And before that, I suppose I did an undergrad in computer science. Well, compilers are obviously a very important aspect of software development, or historically have been. But it's also something a lot of people, are, in my experience, don't know that much about. There might even be young programmers who are sort of blissfully unaware that compilers are there under the scenes. What's the modern state of compiler technology? Yes, yeah, so it's it's funny. People people think that compilers are these like magical, mystical things, and I think that there's that there's been a lot of you know effort made to make them seem incredibly incredibly difficult, and and I think that. A lot of what what I'm seeing happen now is people realizing that actually, you know, compilers aren't aren't that complicated. In particular, I think that people who, um, you know, JavaScript developers who who have used the DOM have used you know, sort of the intellectual equivalent of, of what a compiler does. And modifying the DOM is like basically the same thing as modifying a language in in, in a compiler. But I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of you know, especially with like LLVM. Um, seeing a lot of compilers becoming a lot more uh, accessible recently. Well, in modern software development, I would have to sit down and spend some time thinking of different applications that would not involve the cloud in some way. It's so prolific in software these days. I don't know that you claim this in your marketing material, but I think someone could say Darklang is sort of the first cloud-first language. Uh, how do you feel about that? I think that might be right. I think that there are other languages out there who are sort of in that space. I saw one recently called Wasp. But I think that they're not quite fully cloud-first in the way that Dark is. So yeah, Dark, um, it really only exists in the cloud. You can't you know, install it on your computer. Anytime you use Dark, it is fully running in the cloud. Uh, and the language is fully based around the idea of uh, of a cloud. In fact, that that was kind of one of the original design manifestos. I had been using Clojure a lot, and Clojure has these like excellent um, concurrency primitives, and started using concurrency primitives to to do uh, delayed notifications, basically. And we realized that a bunch of notifications had not been delivered 
because we had essentially turned off the machine. Uh, and so like all these like cool things that the language had were built in at, at the VM level. And then when you brought them to the cloud, like they, they didn't work. And so that was kind of one of the origins of Dark. Like, what if there's a language that is actually, you know, uses, runs on the cloud in the same way that like Python runs on a, on a particular machine and abstracts the existence of the cloud in the way that Python abstracts, you know, the memory model and, and that sort of thing. So there are many places and many companies that will offer me some sort of cloud coding solution, whether that's like a hosted Jupyter notebook or some sort of IDE in the browser. It seems like Darklang is a little bit more than that. What does the entire Darklang project encompass? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of those things are, are essentially, you know, let's give you access to a VM uh, or to a Docker container that's running Jupyter or, or, or whatever, and, and you know, give you a nice editor that, that sits in front of that. And that, that's not at all what Dark is. It's kind of actually hard to explain what Dark is without giving the problem statement. So the, the problem statement of Dark is how hard it is to build software. So software is just too hard to build. And so all of our problem solutions, or sorry, all, all of you know, what, what Dark is, is a, it's really a solution to those problems. And so the problem is infrastructure is really hard, deployment is really hard, tooling and sort of like setting up dev environments and sharing them with your team, all these things are just you know, kind of hard to do. So Dark is formulated as this cloud language that solves these problems. So Dark, there's, there's no deployment. There is no, by that I mean that when you look at the problems of uh, deployment, you know, people are setting up CI/CD pipelines, and you know, obviously, this is this is what I was involved with with, with Circle CI, and you know, the fastest CI/CD pipeline essentially is is instant. How can you make something be instant? And if you're going to take a language that isn't designed to be instant and make it instantly deployable, you're going to be you know, up, up for some trouble. You know, the, the, there's a reason those CI/CD pipelines exist and, and all that testing and, and, and all that sort of thing exists. And so Dark is really designed as a, you know, if deployment is going to be instant, what do we need in the language that allows deployment to be instant? So for example, um, there's, there's no parser. So there isn't this sort of intermediate state where, where something is unparsable and we don't know what, it, what the program actually is. Uh, every every change is immediately serialized in the production. The language has feature flags built in, but it also has the idea of like an incomplete program, and every incomplete program has semantics. Uh, so we 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 define what every incomplete program does and what parts of an incomplete program work and don't work, and all of that is necessary to be something that have that can have this instant deployment in a safe way. Similarly, Dark is designed around the idea that we will scale infrastructure for you. So you don't need to think about how many machines are running this thing. You don't need to think about provisioning databases. Databases just like exist immediately. Like as soon as you, you know, click the button or, or use the, the keyboard shortcut, the database is there. Um, and you don't need to think about anything around databases or queues or web servers, they, they just all kind of exist. And the thing that's, that's really special about Dark as a result of this is, is we do all these things at once. So we do the infrastructure, we do the language, we do the databases, and, and we do the editor as well. And so we get some things that are 
amazing um, compared to anything else that's out there. Like I, I haven't seen this really really replicated anywhere that, that we call live values. And so live values is every time a request is made to your dark program, which is you know, a, a live production thing, we save the trace of that and then we show you that trace in your editor. So you can immediately see you know, a request that a user has made and be able to debug it or, or you know, understand how it works or, or just sort of understand the flow of your program. But it also completely changes how people write programs because instead of writing something on your local environment that you are then going to like push into production and you know, hope that it's the same, you actually develop your, your client or your, your React apps or whatever against the live thing in production. So you write you know, a React form or whatever, and you click, you, know, you fill in the form, you press submit, and then it goes to Dark, and Dark saves this data and allows you to like, write the code against that trace, and you keep like, you know, rerunning that trace or subsets of that trace without having to go through that, that whole process on your client again. So you get this really, like, this really fast iteration cycle where, where you are essentially writing code against production. My personal preference, if I have the time and the resources, is to take a test-driven development approach that I start writing my code, first write my test, make them pass. Is there an equivalent to that in Darklang? Yes and no. So I think test-driven development will become part of Dark, but it, it doesn't exist yet. The trace-driven development that I just described essentially has the same kind of function. Uh, and in fact, the, the plan that we have for test-driven development is just take some of those traces and, and save them in a way that, that when you make changes, they will, they will automatically be run. So I think that the, the, the concepts of test-driven development are essentially there already, uh, and it will be turned into more of a, of a sort of formal idea. The idea of being deployless is incredibly appealing to me. As a developer, I've been there where I spend maybe an hour working hard and you know achieving some milestone. I'm super happy. I think I'm done. And then I have this paramount challenge of how do I get this deployed or sent to where I need it to be? And that takes 10x the time. Yet, you know, on the other side, I've also been there in some high-pressure enterprise deployment situations where I would find the idea of deployless terrifying. Um, how do you view it, or do you have anything to put fears yeah. to rest? Yeah. Yes, I mean the the idea of deployless is not that you know we we just let you go willy nilly and and you know kind of like hose your entire environment. The idea of deployless is that we have advanced capabilities that are safer than what exists in current deploys. So if if you're doing a, a deploy, and I, I think you know the, the, this example of you know you've got new code and now you need to deploy it. What, what you're doing is you're replacing something that is running with something that you, that you hope will run. And every commit that you've made along that way is, is risk. So you know, if you have a project that's been running for three months, that's a huge risk because none of that has, has, has seen production. Whereas if you have something that you know, maybe is a one-line change, it's like, okay, that, that's probably not going to be a huge risk. You know, we, can probably, we can probably just ship that. And so Dark is built around the idea of everything being you know, deployed in very small units that are not seen by your, your entire set of people. So feature flags are, are you know, a huge part of what we do. But there's also, and this is a little speculative because it's designed this way, but we, we haven't actually got there, database migrations that, that are built in 
and that are sort of like seamless and, and easier to validate uh, and that you know that they can't take down the system. And then the other thing that we have, um, and th there's a blog post that I wrote about this, it's called um, How Dark Deploys in 50 Milliseconds. The other thing is that we make things immutable. So what that means is that once you have something that's in production that has traffic running through it, it never changes, except by a very structured process of having a feature flag for HTTP handlers or for functions. Functions actually never change at all. Instead, you make functions are completely versioned, so you make new versions of functions with the required feature set or with, with the required changes, and then you slowly deploy them through um, through your thing, getting instant feedback for for everything again using feature flags. So what 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 we have is is really you know deployless is not this like you know I'm going to let you type whatever code you like in a in a text box and and users will be faced with that. It's not like in the old days of of like editing the PHP on a on a VM by like SSHing into it or or it's not something like like uh, glitch or or some of these other tools that 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 feature that that sort of like live editing it's really something that's designed around how like what is the fastest safest way to to build code and and I maintain that certainly when we have the whole feature set done, that, that it will actually be significantly safer to do deployless than to do how people do modern deploys. Do you think other languages will start to pick up that formalism or is this sort of a unique characteristic of Dark? You know, I, I really hope that Dark becomes something that, that, that influences a lot of people. Success for me with Dark looks like the ideas start to spread throughout the ecosystem. And yeah, I remember I was having a conversation with with my friend, uh, with my friend Charity, who runs um, or who is CTO at Honeycomb. And Honeycomb is an observability tool for for the cloud, and I was talking to her about the idea of having that observability thing, uh, the, the those traces that you save in observability being uh, accessible at at writing time through some like VS Code plugin. And that, that's the kind of thing that, like, you know, it's 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 less good than dark. You know, it's a, it's a lot more work. But that that's the sort of thing that I would love to see coming into the industry. People seeing how, you know, what difference it makes when you have something that that that's that's fully integrated, and and to spread that. I would say that I am not super optimistic on a lot of the deployless features coming in, just because. A lot of them are only possible because we control the entire stack, the editor, the infrastructure, and the deployment. And that is a lot harder to do if you don't control the entire stack. But there are projects that control more of the stack than, than traditional. Um, and so I, you know, I would love to see some of those. I would, I'd love to see you know, Dark's features replicated everywhere. I think that would be great. Darklangs, it's certainly not a no-code solution. You're absolutely writing code, but it seems fairly adjacent to that. Uh, how do you think of things uh, with the emergence of no-code tools? So I think, I think no-code is really interesting. No-code, I think, represents our failure as an industry to make software accessible to people outside professional software engineers. Um, and we, we can see this from, from just how long it takes for regular coders to go from not knowing anything to being you know, professional senior engineers. Often it takes, it takes years of practice between someone knowing how to code and being a really effective engineer. Uh, and I, I think it is like a, a 
collective failure of the entire industry to make that that sort of like tooling accessible. Because what what no code is, you know, they're they're essentially for the most part they they are wizards, and wizards are less powerful than code. But the reason that they're so successful is because they make it accessible. They make it really easy to write this you know, code to create a connection between you know. If if we look at what what Zapier does, you know, make a connection between like Slack and Gmail. You know, if that's something that you want, that's something that 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 Zapier can do for you, and they make that really easy and really accessible. And you don't need to spin up a server, you don't need to get some AWS credentials, you don't need to do any of this sort of thing. And so Dark is really, you know, in that in that world, it provides that same advantage that that low code does, but it is very much in the in the code world. We, we very much want people to think of this as coding. It is very much designed as coding. And and that's because we think that code is much more powerful than, than low code and no code solutions like the, you know, code versus wizards. When you have code, code can compose, code can, you, know, you, you can dig down and see what the code actually does below the things, which is much you know, both these things are much, much harder to do in, in the kind of low-code solutions, or not, not all low-code solutions, but many of them. So I've been thinking of Dark uh, as, I've been calling it just code. So it's kind of like, you know, you have low-code and, and, uh, and no-code, and you have just code, which is to say that there isn't, you know, Docker and DevOps and infrastructure and, and all this, like, other stuff in addition to code. There's just... You write the code, and it's there in production. Obviously, you know, it's super tied to, to this deployless thing that we were just talking about. I've been programming for a while, and one thing I've noticed in my own personal experience is I sometimes need to let go of a, a hang-up I have. An example might be, you know, I, I started coding where I managed my own memory, and then garbage collection came out, and I had to learn to trust the JVM or whatever the underlying tool was, that it was probably going to do a better job than I was at that. Uh, point being, I think like senior developers have maybe hangups they need to let go of when radical new ideas come around. Do you think there are any paradigm shifts like that that people uh, who are exceptional programmers are going to struggle with when they initially get introduced to Dark? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Dark is the I, I talked earlier about the, the the problems with existing programming, and I refer to them as as accidental complexity. And the, this comes from uh, Fred Book, Fred Brooks book, um, The Mythical Man Month, there's an essay called No Silver Bullet, and it talks about uh, you know, separating what we do as engineers into uh, essential complexity, which is the actual business logic, and accidental complexity. And so Dark is really about removing all of that accidental complexity. But as you say, a lot of developers believe uh, or you know, have different beliefs about what's accidental complexity and what's essential complexity. Uh, you mentioned garbage collection. Of course, you know a lot of people used to feel that that managing memory yourself was you know an essential part of what it meant to be a programmer. And whether that's you know real programmers writing Fortran uh, or you know swapping in various things. When I was coming up, you know people didn't believe that dynamic languages were real were real programming languages. And it was, and they didn't also, you know, they also felt that Java wasn't really a programming language. So I, I came a little later to that. It was Java was nearly a real programming language by, you know, by the time I started coding. But you know, Python wasn't, and Perl wasn't, and PHP, etc. They weren't real programming languages. Now, of course, they are, and all that's changed is like the perceptions in industry. And so I think that that the the things that are going to go away. So. Gar- garbage collection is, is you know, the one success that we've really had as an industry, removing kind of the bullshit of, of 
what people need to do. There was a, I remember, I remember reading this paper by a researcher called uh, Hans Bohm, who wrote the Bohm Garbage Collector, and he said that 40% uh, of developers' time were spent on manual memory allocation, which of course goes away when you use when you use these modern languages. So like, what what can we look at it the same way? What what goes away? So like, I spent the last two weeks working on on Darks on, on the deploy pipeline for actually getting Darks code into production. Uh, which is ridiculous, right? If you have deployment, or if you have deployless, then any time that you spend building or optimizing your you know, your process of, of getting code into production, it goes away. Same with provisioning, same with like setting up database schemas. Or right, right now, one of the things that, that's really expensive for people is to do database migrations. And I, I think it's so expensive that people just don't do it at all. And I, I think that Dark's database migration solution will be like so easy that, that people will just do it all the time. So the things that people are not going to give up on, I think, one, I think people are going to be concerned about a hosted service. So right now, you deploy your own code on, you know, on machines that you provision in some way. And that's shifting a little bit. You know, people are using Lambda, for example, and those are that's moving away a little bit from machines that you control. But it you know still feels a little bit like VMs, and I, and I think that that's going to be a hard uh, a hard nut to swallow. And I think that's also the other one is going to be the um, you know that that dark is it is a source available language, but it is not a language that you install yourself on your VMs or your containers and deploy it yourself. And I think that that one is, is going to hurt for people. I think that that, that price is going to be a, a big price to pay. I think that, that the final one is Dark is a functional language. And I think that the industry has been moving closer and closer to functional languages over time. And I think that the industry is shifting to make this not be that big a problem. But it's certainly a thing where, you know, a bunch of people have really gotten into their OO stuff or, or that sort of thing or, or only have experience with, with OO, that shifting to functional languages and in particular immutable data structures and, and that kind of thing. It, it's definitely going to be a mind shift. Dark is its own programming language, but I'm sure it takes some inspiration from common ideas people are familiar with. If I go check out Dark, are there particular languages that might give me a leg up on recognizing the language in its syntax? Yeah, so if, if you've used uh, functional languages before, uh, you'll be very at home with Dark. In particular, if you have used Elm, is probably the, the closest language to it. Uh, F-sharp and OCaml are pretty similar. Um, and a bunch of mainstream languages, or a little more mainstream languages, have a lot of similarities as well. The, the most likely one is, um, is Rust. But generally, if, you're, if you've used any language that has uh, immutable data types, and so you know, Clojure is a good example here, any of the Lisps, and Haskell, and of course those are all functional as well, uh, you, will, you will feel right at home. And what sort of database and persistence options does Dark make available out of box? So Dark has a built-in database solution. Uh, so you you create tables and you know you store data in them and that's that's kind of it. You don't need to do any more than that to to set anything up. So you you know it's not like there's a Postgres driver and you have to find a Postgres thing. Dark is very much like in the same box, and and the, you know kind of for for better or for worse, you, you can't connect Dark to an existing thing. Actually, that's not true. We had we had some customers who 
exposed a built-in Mongo API of one of the Mongo providers, and then they spoke to their existing MongoDB over like a HTTP interface. So you, you can do that sort of thing with, with, with Dark, but really we want you to, to use the built-in thing. So the, a Dark database is essentially a persisted key value store. So you save things by key, you can do queries using the Dark language itself, and the values that you store in the Dark database are, are Dark values. So there's no ORM or there's no like impedance mismatch between uh, like, there's no point at which you think, oh, I've got this type, and how do I save it in the database? Just all those types, just they fit naturally in the database. Knowing it's a key value store, I think I could be up and running pretty quickly. I understand that concept. The syntax for doing it looks straightforward. What about more complex queries? If I want to do the equivalent of some SQL statement, or at least my mind is thinking that way, how can I get the data out? Yeah, so so uh, the the key value stores can also be queried. So you write queries using Dark's uh, built-in syntax. So it is not a specific syntax for Dark queries. It is it is standard Dark things. So, so you you write like a Dark if statement, and you, you use you know, if if you know the date dot now is less than a thousand plus. You, you, you know the, this kind of thing. And you, you know you can put in Boolean logic and and all that sort of thing. Uh, and Dark has a built-in. A compiler that, that takes those and converts it into actual SQL, which is what we use behind the scenes. We're, we're, we're running a big Postgres database in the cloud. So it, it, it really is that, that you, can, you can use most of Dark's language to write fairly straightforward queries without having to learn a, an extra query language. The one thing that we can't really do particularly well now is we can't really do like upserts where you know you find some subset and then you you immediately change it in the same in the same query without a round trip to your application, uh, and we don't have we don't have support for joins at the moment. Um, but th- those are things that are possible; they're just not built in yet. Depending on how we want to measure it, I think. Dark could almost certainly win the contest for programming language that gets you set up in production the fastest. Um, and that, that's obviously a, a great accolade, but with it comes maybe a danger. Could it be that a novice programmer is able to inadvertently create a security problem with the way they're gathering user data? Are there any guardrails in place for things like that? Yes. Yeah, so Dark is, is really designed around the idea of, of you know, removing this accidental complexity. And so security like this is, is accidental complexity that, that you know, you, we don't want you to think about. So we will build in standard things into the standard library to you know, do things like CR, CSRF protection and all of the modern ways of, of protecting your application. I think that at the same time, if, if, someone, if someone tries really hard, they will, of course, be able to do something, something ridiculous. But, but we want it to be out of the box being incredibly secure. Do you have a vision for what collaboration looks like for a small and growing team adopting Dark? Yeah, so, so it looks a lot like, uh, like when you use Google Docs. So you, know, you can see what other people are doing. You can see the history of what they've done. You can go back in time, see the state of things there. You can see the comments and you can see how it was. It should feel like something that, that is incredibly easy to do um, collaboration in. And I think that, that that collaboration model stands in sort of stark 
contrast to the modern collaboration model of you know using Git, I do all this stuff by myself, and then I ship it to to a pull request where someone can see the code, but not the code in production, and not the code as it was running on my machine, not the code as you know it was uh, it was with its test cases or with the test data that that I created. We want all of those to exist in the same space, and so it should be it should be absolutely trivial for someone to come over to to what you're working on. Um, and you know, do a code review under the same circumstances as as you were doing it. You know, run the same things with with their uh, with their data, um, etc. Like the, I think that that there there's a bunch of there's a bunch of startups that are working on this sort of like live VS Code code sharing. Um, you can see some of this with people like uh, I think it's called a GitHub Coder Spaces, and then there's um, uh, there's some other alternatives to that. That that provides some of this thing. That's very much what 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 it is uh, what it is going to be like in dark. Enterprise organizations, in my opinion, their answer to a lot of that complexity you've been describing is to just hire more, build a bigger team, more departments, more oversight. So there might need to be a mind shift of some kind to get people to think about adoption. Do you have any vision for what uh, an enterprise collaboration looks like? I know a lot of companies, whether they need the support or not, they want a throat to choke. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not super concerned about enterprise at all. Yeah, you know, when when the company gets bigger, you know, we will we will need to have uh, an enterprise department. We will need to build the features for you know single sign on and auditing and, and all this sort of thing. But but it's not something I particularly think about. You know, Dark is pre product market fit still. It is still you know a, a couple of years away from being something that is that you know fulfills the vision of of being. Amazing. Right, right, right now, Dark proves that its ideas of a sort of the deployless and infrastructureless are possible, but it's not yet at the point where it's really good for people to use. Like, if you were go, you know, deciding to build your startup, I would not recommend that you use Dark today. Yeah, you know, the it's it's more something where where you can do something very small or you can just check it out for fun. But we need to get it to to that point where it's useful to, for, for people building startups or building you know actual reasonable sized products, and so enterprise is is a long way away. And so for now, I'm just like you know we'll figure it out when we get there. And I I, I don't really anticipate too many. You know I I know enough about enterprise to to know what they're going to need, and you know they're either going to be on board with this idea or they're not. And and you know if they're on board with the idea, then then, then I think that supporting them in, in that will be relatively straightforward. There's a tool I've used. This is not an ad, but just, you know, everybody knows Heroku um, and it has many positive features. And I, I draw some parallels in my mind between what Heroku does and, and what Dark does. Uh, a lot of businesses have founded their whole, you know, enterprise on uh, Heroku once the offering was available. What's on your roadmap to get Dark into a similar position? Yeah, it's, it, it's funny. Um, I, I know a lot of the you know, original Heroku people and people who worked at, you know, around Heroku in the you know, in the environment um, of that space, in, you know, kind of when that was happening in 2010, 2011 in, in San Francisco. And one of the things about Heroku is, is that they all feel that that Heroku just kind of stopped once it sold to Salesforce. You know, the, the, they had visions of, of how Heroku was going to innovate to become more Heroku, to, you know, to, to replace dinos with, with something that, that felt even more ephemeral. You know, it, it kind of never got there. And I think that that... Dark, in a sense, represents, you know, what what Heroku could have been if they had kept on on that uh, on that path. But saying all that, I've forgotten what your actual question was, and I don't think I answered it. 
About your roadmap, uh, you'd mentioned there being a few things you were working on to get it to a place where a large enterprise would adopt it, but it seems like there's startup adoption before that, perhaps, if you want that market. What's it take to get that going? So the things that we need are the things that you expect in every, in every programming language. So when you come to Dark, you, you try there and you see, oh, it's super easy to create a hello world. Oh, you know, I can edit this data. This live data thing is amazing. This deployless thing, creating databases are instant. This is amazing. And then you go to, you know, let's say, create a Stripe integration. Or, you know, you, you go to use Twitter or Slack or something like that. And then you immediately discover that you're missing all the libraries that you need. And now it's easier for you to go back and to do something with Node or, or what you know, language of choice because they have built-in SDKs or you know, in the in the package manager they have SDKs for uh, for all these third-party services. And so much of coding today is you know, building third-party services. So what what Dark needs to be mainstream is is pretty much a, a package manager that that has support for lots of third-party SDKs and vendor SDKs. And what what prevents us from getting there is basically a lot of kind of technical debt that we built up along the way and product debt, where we took a whole bunch of shortcuts to get here and where those shortcuts sort of sit between us and having a really good experience around that. So a lot of what I'm working on at the moment is is undoing those shortcuts with the with the intention of building a package manager. Where, where people can you know, upload their Stripe APIs and, and everything else, and so people can have like really instant usage of these. When listeners go and research Darkling on their own, they'll find a lot of places online with these pretty impressive short demos, you know, 15 lines of code and a little bit of setup that'll do some you know, interesting things. One I looked at connected to Google Sheets, got a bunch of URLs and did a status check on each of them. And it's like, five or six lines of code, something like that. Are there any utility applications that you've seen that uh, are especially novel or striking that you want to share? Not, not in particular. The, I, I think a lot of people are doing these you know, relatively small things. And we have, we have a handful of, of much larger apps, like the, you know, the size of which I'm, I'm astonished that, that people built you know, something of that, size, of, of that size in Dark. But a lot of where people find utility is is the really small things. It's like, you know, I, I just want to receive some data and put in a table. I remember one of our one of our first users, um, he was building a SaaS app with it, but then he wanted to do temperature checking in his house, in particular in his new baby's room. And so he built he built you know something that connected to all these to all these temperatures, uh, sorry, all these thermometers and sent that data to um, to Dark. And it's you know it's you know, that that's like a table and five lines. It's it's nothing. But that nothing to do on some other platform, you know, has several hours of work to get to, to that first thing. So I, I think the way that a lot of people really experience Dark is I'm looking for something that's super simple. And I just, I just don't want to do the work, the, the complex work of setting up a new, you know, setting up a new Git repo and setting up a new serverless project or a new Heroku configuration or, or whatever. Um, because the the work of doing that dominates the the four or five lines of code that they want to write. There are a lot of really unique ideas baked into Darklang, a lot of things I've just kind of thought of for the first time, like a deployless architecture. 
Are there any of those key aspects you hope that other language developers or maybe the computer science peer-reviewed literature and researchers should really be taking a closer look at? So one of the things with, with, with Dark is that we, the, the idea is we don't want to do anything new. And I know, I know that sounds ridiculous considering all the, all the new things that, that, we, that we describe, but really we're, we're trying to take things that exist in some way already in industry. Or, or in research and really leverage the fact that, that we have this holistic platform. So the fact that the editor, the infrastructure and the language are all controlled by the same thing, it's, it's so easy to find incredibly low-hanging fruit. And so I guess what I would hope is that they look or people look at some of that low-hanging fruit and they think, how can I make this work in my, in my language? And I've seen, I've seen a bunch of things where people have made something similar work. So there, there's something really interesting. This was done by the Instagram engineering team where they, they wanted to add type annotations to all of their Python code. And so what they did was they added instrumentation in production that saved the actual runtime types. And that when their programmers went to add types to a particular file, you know, it, would, it would rely on these types that had been, that had been saved in production. And essentially, you know, there's a very big analog between Dark's traces and these sort of like type traces that, that, that they were saving. And I think that this sort of thing is amazing. You know, I, I would love to see tooling that provides production stats, provide those, you know, whatever production thing it is, provide those at developer time. Um, and that's something that that's super easy in dark. It's just, it just like falls out naturally of of how we do things. But the gap between you know what people are doing in production, what people are doing at developer time, you know, often they're entirely different communities. So like the the startups that run at at you know that write run uh, developer time dev tools like coding time dev tools, and the the startups that run like infrastructure, they're they're often like in in a different subsets of the startup ecosystem. And you know they don't really run together. They, they don't. They don't communicate. And I, I would love to see you know more startups that that do both ends, or at least work well across both ends of that. And what do you want the path forward to be for Darklang over the next five to ten years? Yes. Yeah, so, so Dark, like I, I'm, I'm fully committed to to making Dark a good product. So right now it is it is an interesting product. And has some cool stuff. Uh, and in the future, it you know, there's a big roadmap, roadmap.darklang.com, that that describes what needs to be done. And so it's just you know going to be going to be doing it. And I, I anticipate that in one to two years, Dark will be something that's really usable for people building for building small things. And that's that's kind of my my target for for the short term. But in the long term, I, I think that the amount of products and projects. Where, where building something in dark would be 10 times faster than building something in, in one of you know, more traditional languages. Yeah, I, I think that is in, that is in dark's future and, and that's, that's very much what we're, what we're getting towards. I think dark is definitely a tool programmers should be keeping an eye on. Uh, if they want to follow up, where are the best places to do that online? So you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash darklang. The other thing, if you go to our GitHub, you can you can follow the repo and you can actually see all the work that's being done on it. It's it's all fully done in the open under a source available license. So it's darklang or sorry, it's github.com slash darklang slash dark is that repo. And there's also a dark slack 
that community Slack where you know we talk about what we're doing, and you you can see that uh, it, it's linked to from darkline.com. Well, very cool. I'll get right on GitHub and give you a star shortly after we wrap up here. Awesome. Well, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Software Engineering Daily. Ah, thank you for, for having me. Really, really enjoyed talking about Tark.